Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 297 of the podcast with my delightful, charming and all around wonderful pal, Jonathan Colton. I hope everyone is uh, still enjoying their sizzling summers. And I wanted to throw some quick shout outs out to Tiana and uh, and Kate, Kate all the way from uh, across the, the globe, from the other side of the globe. Um, thank you so much for your wonderful check-in emails. And uh, I also wanted to remind folks or possibly tell you for the first time if I have not done so yet that I will be at DragonCon. Uh, that's the uh, the weekend of uh, Labor Day. That's so the very last weekend of August. Um, I will be there doing fun stuff at night with comedy pals. I will be doing a Cora panel, I believe on Saturday. I will be moderating a Henson Company panel on Sunday. I can't wait. Uh, so hope to see some of you there. Uh, come by uh, when I have my signing hours. I don't know when those are, but hopefully the column will be posting them soon. Um, and just say hi and uh, or come to a panel or something. I hope to see you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be back in Atlanta, even though that con, as any of you who have gone to it before know, it is a uh, very, very, very busy con. So it's going to be intense, but wonderful. All right. Enjoy this episode and uh, talk to you soon. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's time to tap into. Mm. <laughs> you're, you're doing great. You're doing so great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, friend. Uh, you know what? I sort of uh, was inclined to do um, right when you answered the phone was uh, to, to really like Professor X you and go, hello, old friend. <laughs> um which I realize as I was thinking that I don't have that with anyone real like there's not <laughs> I don't have such a layered history with someone that also implies like we've we've been at odds low these many years but right. I still respect you. You don't you don't have a dark and complicated enough history with anyone that it would <laughs> I, be appropriate I to, don't. Yeah. Well, that's because you're nice. You're a nice. You're a nice person. I think. And so are you. So oh, are thanks. you. This is our problem. I think that you and I need to cultivate starting today. That means, like, in fifty years, we will be able to call each other old friend with that sort of raised eyebrow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. With a world uh, of meaning behind it. When with I the world of meaning behind it. When I it. say friend, I mean something a lot more complicated and real than that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so, but I am very, very open to your feedback as to what exactly we should start doing to each other that would. Yeah. Like, they, because there has to be things we feel we can justify to one another, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though it causes the other some kind of great pain. And it can't just be for the purposes of just doing it. It has to be, we have to be behind our own. Actions. We need a cause. We need a cause. We each need a cause. We need a mutu- and mutually diametrically opposing. Di- that's causes. right. Diametrically opposing causes. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we can we can get to it on this on this talk. Do you have anyone? I mean, if, do you have any friends who, when they call you, um, they uh, they use a funny voice? That like I <laughs> I have I have some friends who every time they call me 
they do a little bit at the beginning. They don't just say, hey, it's me, Roger. They say, yeah. hello. And I have to... <laughs> I, <laughs> and I have to kind of play along for a little while. It's usually like a 20-second thing, a bit uh-huh. that we got to improvise, and then we can get into the call. Do you have friends like that? You know, that you asked that, and what I thought my initial response would be like, of course I do. And then I really thought about it, and I feel like all of the bits have sort of fallen away. Um, <laughs> it's a sad time. And, well, I would say, I mean, I would say I could link that directly to, like, the fact that, you know, um, having smartphones allows us to just always know who's calling us. Yeah. Um, Unless, you know, unless it's somebody who has has been thorough enough in their identity, uh, uh, secretive nature that they have, you know, got blocking, like caller blocked, you know, unknown caller stuff, which right. I feel kind of like, oh, maybe that would be fun. But then I feel like no one would pick up. No, I, I don't even pick up when it's somebody that I know and like. Well, that's how we all are. Yeah. Who would call? Uh, who would call a person on the phone? For who God's would sake? call a person? People think people assume it's a terrible emergency, and <laughs> it's true that um, every time, <laughs> every time that I can think of, in the last like couple of months that I have received a phone call, whether I have been able to pick it up or not, uh, the person leaving me the message or the person I engage with upon answering always qualify saying, I'm so sorry, I'm driving, so I couldn't text. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to call you. I didn't think about that either. <laughs> yeah, I've really been apologized to a lot for like, oh, listen, I know I, like the Paul F. called me uh, a couple of weeks ago and the first thing he said on my voicemail was, this is not an emergency. I'm just driving. <laughs> I can't text you. I'm so afraid that you're going to see my phone call and think something horrible has happened. Yeah, no, I, you have to. You have to say that. Otherwise, I, you know, the phone rings. Anytime the phone rings, this is how I. This is my response. Ah, that's my. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that occurs to me. I don't know uh, before I even look who it is. It's like, oh great. So Here's awful. another thing I got to deal with. That's so awful. <laughs> God, it just became that so quickly. I know. I don't know why. It's too it's too personal. It's too mm, No, it's the text texting lets you lets you have a second. It lets you lets you prepare yes. your response. You don't need to be there. <laughs> if you don't want to be there, <laughs> yeah. you could pretend yeah. to be busy for 5 minutes or 20 minutes or or 40 days. But also, like, you can actually be busy. And I think that's the problem is that now there's no, there's no, there's no knowing. And there's also no trusting because everyone knows that we've just kind of like put a wash over any phone call coming in. So it can be that we truly can't answer the phone or it can be that we just don't want to answer the phone and no one will ever know. Yeah. So there's, so, and and then you can really get into like the layers of, me, me thinks thou doth protest too much. Like I, I, I worry that I over apologize, and that, and that's just because I'm an apologetic person. But that that seems disingenuous. Like I'm on set, so I can't pick up, which is frequently true. Um, but also, for some also reason, sounds like a lie. Like, <laughs> also sounds like a lie. And the and 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 then I have like these the things running through my mind that we've all been kind of. Um, that's that's all been like thrown into our brains whether we're asking for it or not things like real liars don't give a lot of details or like if you're mm-hmm. telling the truth you don't give details because then you're too I, I mean like i don't even know what the 
psychology is behind that because all I know is that when I'm telling the truth, I'm just as worried about someone being angry with me. So I'm just as detailed about whatever the situation is than I would be if I were lying. Yeah, listen, I'm 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 worried about people being angry with me almost all of the time. So I it's <laughs> <That's> so sad. <laughs> this is why you yeah. and I are so nice is because we don't I know, to, this is why it's going to be so hard for us to be old friends. It's just going to be so hard for us to be old friends. Yeah. I'm, now, I I want to circle back to these friends of yours who we are now acknowledging. You fully know it's them because mm-hmm. their number comes uh, their name comes up when mm-hmm. the phone rings. Um this is assuming you've decided after groaning and rolling your eyes to actually answer the phone. <laughs> yes. Then they do a bit with you. Uh-huh. But it's everybody knows what's going on, so it's very like meta. Uh-huh. weird phone call it is a weird it is a weird start and i i think uh i'm trying to think if i do it to people or if it's just people who do it to me i don't think i do it but i i, I you know and it's kind of it's a little bit fun right because you get to kind of you doing doing a little improv bit at the top of the call <laughs> <laughs> they speak in a french accent or they say you know can i can i speak to yonatan crouton you know and I, <laughs> I have to say, oh, uh, Yonatan, I, I, what do I do? I play the straight man, probably in that case. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. No, nah, yeah. sorry, there's no Yonatan here. You know, I don't know. And then <laughs> you play the straight man, but you don't play yourself the straight man because then you would just be like, oh, Roger. No, I can't, I can't just say, say, oh, hi, Roger. <laughs> no, yeah, because <laughs> I don't want to take it away from them. They clearly have something invested in it. They want to have they want to have a little fun, or maybe they want to create a little emotional distance. They want me to know it's not too personal a call. <laughs> I don't know what's motivating them, but it seems important that I not burst their their bubble at that moment. Well, I definitely feel like that. I I used to have phone calls that that absolutely included those kinds of uh, fanciful beginnings, and and so I I am kind of wondering. I mean, I have to assume that it is that the that in in my case that the smartphone sort of yeah killed it, uh, and not that just I seem like I wouldn't appreciate it because I probably <laughs> would appreciate it. <laughs> Um, well, next time, but, I, next time I call you, I'll do it. I'll start in a funny voice. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'll make sure not to pick up. Okay, good. Uh, but listen, you could leave it right on a voicemail. Yeah, I'll do like I do a, feel two like and a half minutes on your voicemail in a funny do, voice. Do a tight two and a half, and <laughs> I do feel like I do feel like that I would be more inclined to do that to someone as a voicemail. Like somehow for me, the after effect, it would occur to me more to do a bit as a voicemail than it would for me to do a live bit with a person who already knows it's me. So for some, you know, it's a, that it's like the, the, yes, yes, the person sees my name on the voicemail, but it's, uh, but I've clearly taken the time to hope to tickle them a bit. Yes. It's, with whatever bit I would do in the voicemail. I suppose it's, it's thoughtful, right? It's, you're trying to, you're trying to make it fun. You're trying to make it fun. I'm just trying to make n- all of this communication not such a slog. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, this has been great. That was my podcast. It's a 10-minuter. I <laughs> oh, wow, don't like to, get, <laughs> I like to even, get in and get out. I had a whole thing about current events. Uh, oh, boy. Nope, great. just kidding. Don't want to talk about it. Oh, thank you. Um, 
No, that's tough. It would be, I mean, this is, I, I, I've, I feel like this is, this is only as trite as, as the actual subject I'm talking about. But like, I just am again, very glad that I am not a stand up comedian, like a political stand up or a person who writes on a, a show that is, you know, like a, like a, like a Conan or Colbert type show. I'm just very grateful that that is not how I make my living because it would be very difficult right now. Yeah, I, I agree. It's hard enough just being a, a person who says things sometimes on social media, um, yeah. <clears throat> let alone to have to, you know, come up with, come up with jokes and deliver jokes. Yeah. Oh, All boy. that being said, I loved the, uh, the thing that, um, the, the good fight, um, I like to, I like to think of them as friends, the Kings, oh, the Michelle Kings. And Robert King. Oh, your friends, Robert uh, and Michelle King. I don't, King. Yeah, don't know them at all, but I am such an enormous fan. That is like being on The Good Fight has replaced being on The Good Wife as my pie in the sky dream. Um, uh, yeah, they're great. As yeah, and and the and, and the, the 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 song and cartoon like the animation that oh, thank you. that you did for and with them was um, like you could be done. Like you did that, and that's great. And you could just refer people to that when they want to, you know, get your take on a current. That's right. You know, that's some my current snafu contribution to to current events. Humor is that yeah. is that thing. You know? Do you know, Janet? I that I that. Uh, thank you. First of all, thank you very much. Second of all, do you know that that song has been nominated for an Emmy? <gasps> no, but I'm not surprised. It's kind of going to win. It's crazy. Well, I don't know. I, I I'm up against some some heavy hitters. Um, what are the heavy hitters? Well, now now that I say that, I don't remember. Oh, Martin Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Short and Steve Martin have a have a song from their uh Oh, who remembers they... who they are anymore? <laughs> I know. I'm the young scrappy up and comer, so who knows? That's right. Um That's right. and then some other things that I can't remember. Boy, isn't that terrible? Yeah. It's uh, I'm No, you remembered something you you remembered something significant enough that I now accept that you may not win the Emmy. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, those. If if ever there were people to lose to, sure, uh, just those two right there as a duo. Well, you or, know, it's, uh, perhaps on their own. It's an honor just uh, to be nominated, sure. as they say. I don't. It is. You know, it certainly is. Uh, and I should also say, uh, it is a uh, it is what they call a creative arts Emmy, which means yes. <laughs> that it doesn't doesn't happen during the regular Emmys that is on television, but it happens during a special other Emmys that nobody cares about. Jonathan. Let me just assure you that as a former Emmy nominee for a Creative <laughs> Arts Emmy. Were you nominated for it? Really? I was nominated for an Emmy to in twenty for the twenty sixth, not last, not certainly not this year, and not last year. So I guess the year before, uh, I was nominated for an Emmy for uh, short form com- content, um, and yes, it did qualify for the less glitzy uh-huh. uh non-televised emmys um and uh you know y- y- you i don't uh i don't distinguish between the two in any context other than when i'm commiserating with someone or joking about it and the rest <laughs> of the time of course. i was nominated for a fucking emmy <laughs> of course no believe me i'm i've taken that uh, i already had my i already had it added to my gravestone that i keep in the basement <laughs> 
wonderful. So I'm wonderful. I'm ready. How does that work? Do you like do you do you leave space? Like, have you left blanks like scattered throughout? Yeah, the, I just the headstone, or is it just like you crossing something else out and sort of writing <laughs> no, in something? I have top? a I have a guy who comes by and, and adds whatever I need, and I just have him. I've just always had him write small because I know there's going to be a lot on it by the time we're done. Yeah, and if there's if there's so, extra space, I'll just have him put a drawing on or something like that. Oh sure, sure. Like a like a raffle. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Wait. So you went to the you went to the uh, Creative Arts Emmys uh, ceremony. I did. How, how was it? I did. It was really fun. I highly recommend it. It, it feels it feels like the real thing. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a governor's ball, yeah. you know, afterwards. And and listen, I will say too that. Um, there's so many people from comedy in, that that fall into that category, right? Of uh, that it was it was a total pleasure. I mean, I was that's what that's the you know that's the Emmys that Key and Peele were nominated for, and the, all the guys right. from Children's Hospital, and you know, so there's lots of, and and I think probably like late night some some sort of late night television something, even though I know some of that's prime time, but um, but yeah, I you know, and I got to wear a pretty frock and and you know pose for pictures and stuff and it was uh it was it was lovely it definitely was like you know i think i would say go and oh yeah and and be there and enjoy it you no know? i will i will go for sure I'm yeah. gonna, i got the i got uh i have a tux i have a tux already and uh yeah i i i i'm looking forward to it and i i you know i say uh i make the comment about the creative arts emmys only so that i don't look too braggy because i am very very proud and amazed yeah to have been I know, it's, nominated. It's a tool. It's a tool that you can use uh, at, at will. You can use it to humble yourself. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if you feel like you need to take yourself down a peg, I, I definitely did that. Um, absolutely. But uh, have you been nominated for stuff before? For Because there are always like, you know, awards and things that I don't, that I wouldn't necessarily know about just because they're more sure. like for example the legend of Korra got nominated for like various awards that i didn't even know existed until someone said like hey you were nominated for, you know the right. show was nominated for a blah blah like an animation something or other yeah um i well i've had i've had kind of a, a crazy year i my album came out uh uh Jeez, when did my album come out? <laughs> <laughs> well, check your gravestone. I'm sure it's on there. I, yeah, it's down in the basement. I don't want to go all the way down there. Yeah, understood. Um, no, my album came out uh, in what spring of last year, and that the 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 um it got a Grammy nomination for packaging, which was not technically not my nomination, but was the designer, um, oh. uh, whose name is Gail Marowitz, uh, and that was that was very exciting. Um, it did not win. Yeah, it lost to Father Father John Misty, who had a okay, all a, right, a better package, and uh, <clears throat> and then I just well, I'm sure you stayed, you steered very clear of like weird male genitalia uh, jokes. Honestly, that's the throughout. first the first time it ever occurred to me that that is a joke. But yeah, you're right. Okay, great. Um, and uh, and then uh, earlier this year, I was nominated for a Tony for my work in the Spongebob musical. And I went to the Tonys, and Spongebob lost all but one of its 12 Emmy nominations, which was oh, wow. which was hard for everybody. <laughs> sure. But it was totally fun. It was a totally amazing uh, spectacle of an evening to be... It was at Radio City Music Hall, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, everybody was all dressed up, and uh, watching them sort of run the television show... 
uh, in between the stage show. They had a secondary team of awards presenters who would come out during the commercials um, and and <laughs> give out Tonys that were not going to be televised, and then they would flip back and forth. And it was really, I don't know, it was really fun and exciting evening. And of course, you know, walking the walking the red carpet in front of Radio City. Sure. It's like, what, sure. a, what am I doing here? It was really crazy. Wait, I love that I, <laughs> I just qualified my question so hard of like, listen, I won't have heard of the other things that you're nominated <laughs> for. <laughs> but, but if there's one or two, I don't know, like the ass cap award for most creative... <laughs> hairdo on a cover <laughs> i'm such an asshole no, no what an idiot no no not at all not at uh, all no i i've listen i've been nominated for lots of tiny awards as well i just want to talk about the big ones <laughs> fair enough no it, good it, christ believe, fair enough listen i would if you had asked me a year ago do you expect to be nominated for any of those things, I would say absolutely not. I was I was yeah. really surprised every time <laughs> one of those things happened. So yeah, it's been kind That's of great. been kind of a crazy year, and it's a it's a actually not a great setup for me because now if if I don't get any nominations next year, I'm gonna be I'm gonna feel like my career is on the on the on the downslope. So yeah, that's it. You you the, you peak by virtue of uh, recognition from these like, major entirely. Awards. But entirely political. I don't know. Listen, I have no idea how all of that works. But, um, but I do know that the the very very charming woman who won the Emmy that I was nominated for, uh, who much deserved. I I actually love her work. But um, it does it does sort of tickle me that she's like. I think she might be like the president of the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, that seems a little weird. Um, yeah. So I was like, "Oh, I get, I, I get it," but, uh, but also totally deserved. But anyway, um, <laughs> this is exactly are- this is exactly what everybody wants to hear when they tune into a podcast: is two people talking about uh, their sort of sour grapey feelings about their lesser <laughs> Emmys. <laughs> Their lesser Emmy nominations. <laughs> That's a well, and it's a, it's really mixed signals too because it, it is like it. You know what, guys? It's all of those feelings. It's like the yeah. like such a buoyant, amazing, like silly pinch my fourteen year old self uh, moment, and then it's you know, and then there's like w- waves of like weird insecurity and like. You know, how can I find a way? Like, if you're a person who tries to protect your own feelings, you're like, how can I make a way? How how can I find a way to not feel great about this? Or oh, yeah. how can I, like you said, you know, how, how can I downplay this so that you know, m- in my case, like my far more brilliant, talented friends who did not receive a nomination for something uh, don't feel like uh, they were th- they got gypped because well, that's not a term we use anymore. Uh, <laughs> that they that they uh, you know were were overlooked in some fundamental way that is some kind of reflection of of their worth like there's so yeah many feelings that go into every one feeling <laughs> no i know it's a it, it is you're right it's a very complicated uh tangle of feelings and yeah there's that yeah. aspect too is you don't want to go don't want to go around talking about how you got invited to this party in case there's other people around you who didn't get invited to the party you know absolutely but did, and so is did you have that 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 moment of kind of feeling like because those there are those kind of uh watermark moments and and some of them can be you know 
actually very simple and very personal and very private and not things that other people would assume would be those moments where you check in with your 14 year old self. And then others are more that like when you sort of have this, this, this thing like a nomination that, you know, you've sort of been conditioned externally to, you know, it will apply because you've kind of grown up thinking that like if someone got nominated for something like an Emmy that 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 would stand out in your mind and it would be this kind of recognizable watershed moment for your younger self right it's less ambiguous than like that one time you had this and and you know exchange with a fan and it was really just a conversation between the two of you and they said something that was very moving and that was a moment where you're like god if I could tell my younger self that this was coming I would be so you know happy and grateful and excited about my future Yes. Um, did you did, and so did you did you feel that you have that with the, with the kind of nomination stuff? Is no, like looking I, back. I, I mean, it, I, did you? I struggle. I, yeah. Uh, first of all, absolutely. I had that feeling of like, boy, if if you had told me, I never would have believed. You know, it's it's yeah. Uh, but I struggle a lot with this thing where, um, uh, and I think I think a lot of people, creative people, do professional creative people do. It's it's this you want you want to there are these markers of recognition. That even though you know they don't, because listen, the <laughs> the Emmy doesn't mean best, right? It's more complicated than that. And Oscar Absolutely. doesn't mean best, and and Grammy doesn't mean best. I mean that's what they say, but it's not really what it means. And so, yeah, um, it's very hard to separate the uh, the kind of success marker that these things represent with any sort of real. It's just hard to separate that from what are real accomplishments and what is the real work. So, yes. yeah, I've had so many so many moments where, you know, as you said, an interaction with a fan or like a, a, a email about some personal way that I, you know, my music has affected somebody that um, that really moves me, you know, to tears, this kind of amazing human connection across this divide of not, not even knowing this person and still somehow, yeah. you know, and that's that's amazing. And that is, I wouldn't trade that. For anything, but at the same time, Agreed. you know, I long, I cannot stop myself from longing for this kind of public recognition, if only yeah. to have the thing in my Wikipedia article that if somebody is skimming it, will make them say, oh, this guy's real, instead of like, oh. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I absolutely do. Because it's, because it's, I don't know, it's like once you get up close to doing this kind of work... You know, I've released I've released a bunch of albums and I've done a bunch of shows and I think probably a lot of people think that I'm a real musician. <laughs> people think those things totally count, but because I did them, it's kind of like, well, that's just. I mean, yeah, I made an album, but it's my dumb album, and it's you know, I made it the dumb way that I did it, and it somehow doesn't rise to the level of um, uh, realness that I perceive everybody else's albums. To have, if only because there's an element of mystery about how they were made. They just sort of appear. Whereas my stuff, right. I, I see it up close. And so, yeah, you know, I always, I, but then I have to, you know, something like this Emmy nomination comes along and it feels great. And I'm really proud of it and really happy and really glad that it happened to me. But I have to constantly tell myself, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you lose to Steve Martin and Martin Short, you know, that was already preordained. It doesn't mean... <laughs> you're any less of a success but it's yeah. it's hard it's a weird it's a weird thing and i wish I, I wish that i wasn't so so fooled by those sort of traditional markers no 
I mean, I think like I, I, I just appreciate, <laughs> I was going to pat myself on the back too. I was actually thinking like, I appreciate our transparency about our insecurities. <laughs> God, I can't even, I can't even say something like that without then immediately backing, just like backing over myself with my own ego car. Uh, I, I think that that is what I am after uh, uh, in, you know, with this podcast and in a lot of my work. And I think that it's what you're after as well, which is um, making our vulnerabilities accessible in a way that does, you know, um, create those connections with people known and unknown. And so I think that's, um, that's, that's part of it is, is your, your willingness to say, you know, this is weird and I feel weird about this. And I had never really thought about, uh, about you from that perspective about, you know, having self-generated so, so much of the work and, and how that would feel different than someone being like, yeah, we were discovered at the Viper room by RCA and we got our, (laughs) you know, first album and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I, I never even thought about that because to me, I'm so much more on the outside of that, 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 that wouldn't occur to me the way it would occur to someone, uh, AKA you who's, you know, up close and personal and really making those comparisons and, and, pouring your heart and soul into your work and, you know, being vulnerable in that way and, and not having, um, the same relationship to it. And then, you know, meanwhile, that band that I just described is like, feels weird about the fact that, you know, someone else, uh, had David Geffen had wanted them to come over and play at his party. Like there's so very yeah, right. degrees of, of all of that, you know? Um, but, but, but that makes sense. That makes sense that there's this, that there would be this kind of baked in feeling of, um, does the, does the machine recognize me and should I care and is it okay if I ca- both care and don't care uh, at varying levels, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And it's very hard. It's very hard to navigate and it's very hard to, because I think it can, you know, it can get in the way of, of the work sometimes, because if you, um, you know, if you're trying to do, you're trying to make something, you need to really care about it. It needs to be really true to you what you're doing you need to be excited about it you need to think it's funny or great or whatever and um if you are you know if you're constantly thinking about oh what kind of what kind of album would uh you know pitchfork really think was great <laughs> you right, know right right i don't even know if pitchfork is still a thing that's this just goes to show you <laughs> don't either how out of the loop i am but um yeah but <laughs> but you know whoever you might be trying to impress or play to really gets in the way of the work and and even if you if you are concerned at all <laughs> i don't want to overstate it but you should you you know i think if you we're not making stuff that is so um challenging to listen to or consume that it's completely unlikable for everybody you want people to like it obviously but right <clears throat> you know you can't worry too much about that and uh you know i was talking with um I was talking with Amy Mann recently, who, uh, you know, I'm always, I've always been very impressed with her. She just keeps going, you know, she just keeps making Mm -hmm. albums one after another. And she's had this amazing, long, distinguished career with commercial success and critical success. And, and, you know, we've had this conversation and, and, uh, you know, she says the, the real trick is that once you make the thing, you're, you have to completely let go of right. the way in which it is received. It is not 
Yeah. It is not under your control. It was never under your control. It might be the greatest thing you've ever done, and it might be that nobody will notice. And that's you have yeah. you have to be okay with that because you can't because if you're not you can't go on. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. It's very hard to no, keep going absolutely. if you if you think that way. If you think that the value of a thing is is too tightly bound with the the specific reaction that you get to it. Absolutely. And I don't want to force this too much. Um, so, so bear with me, but do you feel like that, like all of this kind of stuff that these feelings that continue to sort of bubble up and that, you know, we're, we're looking at and being honest about and perhaps laughing at a little and, and maybe that takes some of the power away from it. Do, does that reflect back on kind of who you were as an adolescent? I mean, did you feel um, in your high school experience that you were on the outside looking in uh, at something and that you were sort of you and your group of friends were doing things that um, were wildly appealing to you, but wouldn't necessarily feel understood by like the public at large of your high school, for example? Or were you part of something? Were you kind of part of the bigger picture? If no, that was I, even a thing. I think. I think. Well, you know, I went to a very small high school uh, in rural Connecticut, and um, I think there were maybe seventy-eight people in my graduating class. Um, oh, okay. So it was pretty tiny, and you know, it was the kind of local school system where we had the same group of people had known each other through through elementary school and junior high and high school. There weren't multiple schools. It was just one track all the way through. Was it a public school or was it, yeah, it was everybody a, kind of went to this? Oh, it was. Public okay. school. God, that is a tiny public school. Public school, but it was a, you know, it was a tiny town and uh, had a tiny public school system and that's where you went. Um, and so, uh, and I had, you know, my experience in high school was pretty, I was pretty comfortable socially. I had, um, you know, I had a good, I had a good, uh, group of friends and I felt like I was I was liked by people and I didn't have I didn't have a terrible um experience although it didn't it didn't stop me from feeling extremely uncomfortable all the time <laughs> you know I, 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 and totally the answer to your question is complicated because I felt like I f I will say that I felt like an outsider who was going to be discovered at any moment to be mm. to be a weirdo or to be uncool or any of that stuff but i think that somebody looking at it from the outside would say that i was doing just fine i don't know why right. i said i don't know why i said fine just now i was doing just fine <laughs> <laughs> I, had a little, I had a little phlegm bubble it came out funny <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I guess I was hoping that that was like a Connecticutism that that slipped back in when you. I thought you'd be like because even when I'm talking about my Connecticut high school experience, you can hear my Connecticut accent coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, when I get emotional, it comes out again. It comes out again. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, no, so I, you know, I also had the added benefit of being. Uh, I mean, in high school was when I was, uh, you know, I was writing songs and bringing my acoustic guitar to parties and stuff like that. So I, yeah. so I had a, I had a, I had a sort of performer's uh, entree into various social <laughs> scenes. And, sure, it, and sure. it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a great, uh, it was a means of great support to me to be able to say, hey, everybody, I, I wrote this song. And people would be like, wow, you wrote a song. And that was like, you know, so that that felt good to to have 
to have that in my back pocket at all times. <laughs> but when did and so when did that creep into your back pocket though? Because that transformation between n- not playing in front of people and writing your, especially when it's your own stuff. Like, did you start out by learning other people's songs and? You know, what was, how, how did it, or did you suddenly emerge a, a fully developed uh, <laughs> mo- mo- Mothman pro- prophecy? Um, did you, I don't know, I don't know what that means. Uh, did, did you, I really wanted to carry it all the way through, uh, but uh, but I wanted to carry it through into a movie that no one's seen. Um, yeah, classic uh, Mothman reference. Everybody yeah, people are going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe there's a Jonathan Colton-like character in the Mothman prophecies. I got to check that out. Um, uh, don't, if that's what you're expecting, please do not do so. It's not there. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, for, for example, for me with, with my, my relationship to guitar was like, t- I took classical from fifth grade, uh, through part of high school. Then I stopped doing that. Then I started learning like, you know, playing chords and covering other people's music mm-hmm. more. And then in college, uh, I started like, playing you know jamming with some other friends that I met that were musicians at parties and then I kind of worked up the courage to do some you know like cafe and like open mic bar kind of stuff and and I was peppering my own stuff with like you know surefire hits like Sarah McLachlan covers yeah um, <laughs> but you know so but like so it was very transitional and gradual for me I'm wondering what that um what that looked like for you yeah i mean i think it was a similar it was a similar thing uh let's see it was probably probably in junior high was where i started learning to play the guitar and it was the same thing i was learning other people's songs i had a book of you know a beatles song book or something like that and and um would avoid the ones that had b minor chords and and Mm, um you know learn to learn to play other people's stuff was a was a huge part of how I figured out how to how to write a song is to learn how other people's songs went um so yeah I spent I spent a lot of time alone in my room playing and singing and then in high school was when I realized that uh, you know I I really think a lot of it was like this will impress girls this will impress girls sure if but I you're can, not the only one. If I can That's sing, definitely, yeah. I mean, it happens a lot that way. But you know, if I can sing, uh, mm-hmm. "You've Got a Friend" uh, in front of some girls, maybe they'll uh, understand how sensitive I am, and they'll like me. So, um, if I can sing, "You've Got a Friend" to some girls, they will always think of me as their friend. Yeah. Who can sing? <laughs> That's right. Very good friend. It's just a very good friend. He's a really good friend to all girls. Uh, um, and so that was a big that was a big motivation uh, because I did like to show off in that way. So yeah, I remember. I don't. I don't remember how. It seems weird that I would show up at a party with a guitar, but I know that I did on several occasions. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. Looking <laughs> looking back, it's very cringy. I remember there was one there was one where there were a lot of kids there that I didn't know. Um and uh there were two guys already there with guitars who were playing and they were better than me. And they knew a bunch of Led Zeppelin songs that I didn't know because they were too loud. <laughs> and sure. I didn't like them. And then and somebody was like Somebody introduced me. He was like, hey, this is Jonathan. He brought his guitar, too. And they're like, all right, what songs do you know? And I couldn't oh, think no. of any songs that I knew. Or if I did, I didn't yeah. want to say, do you know, you, you know You've Got a Friend by James Taylor? 
Because they were cooler and yeah. tougher and slightly older. And, um, yeah. and they, you know, and then they eventually became annoyed with me that I couldn't think of anything that I knew. And I think I ended up uh-huh. not playing with them and just sort of like putting my guitar in the corner. Oh, my God. That's a, that is a classic John Hughesian was, party moment. It's really excruciating. Um, oh, it's adorable. But you I know, mean, that's 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 relate. That's so relatable. Even even for somebody who doesn't play guitar and never has, it feel like when you tell that story, it feels like it's happened to all of us. So worry not. And I think uh, I will say, you know, I know I know many many musicians, and I feel like there is still all. There's always a thing in the back of your head. You're like, is this person better than me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please don't let this person be better than me. This is well, kind listen, of a- y- just relax into that like I did and stop playing altogether and then you and then when you trot something out it's like a novelty that you can play instead <laughs> yeah, of and you'll right. and you'll just know yes everyone is better than you everyone is always better than you <laughs> well, what then, a relief then you have this secret weapon then you're like a then you're a that's part of your triple threat status if you yeah, keep it. it's got to be all or nothing. I've got to either like surprise and awe people. Like t- t- uh, Tawny Newsom did uh, a thing with the like a, the Stitcher Premium thing where she um, collected some LA based uh, musicians mixed with comedians and stuff. And like they would take, they did six of them and they would take, uh, a, you know, a week to write an original song based on someone's personal experience or something which by the way if she does more um you should like come into town just to do because oh yeah fun and be so lucky to have you um but i was like you know i very kind of like tentatively was like i mean i could i could play bass for the track if we want and tanya's like you play bass (laughs) and i was like well i mean no i mean i have i not i mean yes i did i was i have i were (laughs) I mean, I can, and you know, it's a creative art space. It's not a real base. It's a (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I did, and I was so self conscious about it. But at the same time, like it was so novel that I had like it was exactly as you said. But if I had been sort of you know middling around, like occasionally trying to inject myself into other situations where, and then like do a mediocre job of playing the bass, then uh, that that's real. That really proves the all or nothing uh, factor. I think. Yeah, and it's easy when How discouraging. No, when, yeah, when nobody <laughs> just stay good enough not to to like surprise someone once. <laughs> right. Don't ever try to be the best because you won't. Yeah. <laughs> so terrible. Well, no, but like, but and it's and, and 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 one of the things that's so funny about this conversation to me is that you know here you here you have a, a cruise that is this like amazing magical experience that um, <laughs> people get to enjoy in which you you know purposefully surround yourself with people like Amy Mann and John Roderick and people who have made their living as a labeled you know musician not even in a funny world per se yeah um, which has its own sort of like different connotation um where we can feel like oh should i you know that's another way of like sort of taking myself down a notch like well it's 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 also like supposed to be sort of clever and funny like it's not all just like straight ahead ballads or what have you um but you know you 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 clearly uh do feel comfortable you know playing in in a group environment where there are people of like completely varying levels of expertise well i've gotten i've gotten better at feeling more comfortable there uh uh, was John John Flansburg once said to me? Oh it, well, it was you know it was when um, <clears throat> the album before this last one was called Artificial Heart, and um, John Flansburg from They Might Be Giants produced it, and 
he he sort of helped me to put a band together and he was very adamant like you need a band you should have a band this album should be about this band it should be the same players playing on every song um <clears throat> and i was very nervous because and i think i shared some of this with him i was like i don't feel like a great um guitarist like i've spent a lot of time in my room playing beatles songs but like i you know i see other people play and there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff that people do uh on the electric guitar during a rock show that I don't know what it is. They're, they're like real <laughs> right. rock tricks, and I don't know how to do them. And I feel very intimidated by being with a bunch of musicians who already know that stuff, and I'm going to feel dumb. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, here's the thing. I, he said, I decided long ago, it is the, the greatest position to be is the worst person in your band. Because yeah. it means that everybody around you, uh, first of all, does all the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to worry so much about about the job that you're doing because there are there are people who are great players around you who are going to take care of that stuff. Um, yeah, and and second, it elevates you. It lifts you. It lifts you up because there are people. Yes, people who you can uh, watch and learn from, and uh, you don't even have to learn from them. But just playing with better people makes you better. Um, and I, that was that was a very inspiring idea and uh and uh you know it turned it turned out fine i i remember the the first rehearsal with those guys um uh uh you know i'd sent them the songs and they learned it and we rented a rehearsal space and i went in i was so nervous and i had to talk myself down and i the way i did it was i said well what is the thing that you are most what is what is sort of the worst case scenario? Sure, that works. And what 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 is it that you are afraid is going to happen? And I had a I had I was surprised to find I had a very specific idea, which is that mm. I would go in, we would count off, and I would start to play, and a couple of seconds into the song, I would see the other musicians in the room looking at each other and rolling their eyes. Oh, <laughs> and that was that was a huge. That was a very clear specific fear <laughs> that I yeah. had. and once i had said that out loud to myself i was like well that's they're not going to do that <laughs> <laughs> they're not they're not assholes and yeah. if they do feel that way they're probably going to hide it <laughs> right <laughs> right so like that's probably not right. going to happen so i felt a little better after that and of course it was fine that well you know everybody's everybody's nice and nobody minds when they're in a room with a musician who's not as good as them <laughs> yeah you know, I that's absolutely and and you know, I uh, the, you could replace um pretty much like you could keep everything exactly the same and just replace, you know, music or instrument with improv and that's very much been like something that um I'm sure someone told me at some point but that I, you know, that I certainly now pass along to other people who ask me about it um that, you know, it's it's the exact same structure. It's like be the worst improviser in a group of improvisers, please. Like they yeah. will only make you sharper. They will only make you look better. You know, there's there's just no real downside to it if if you're willing to show up and 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 do your best and like, you know, try to try to just learn and 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 do as much as you can to kind of function on that level and it's going to be great and exciting and scary and you know yeah and uh, the uh, you know it's funny the improv improv is a very scary scary idea for me as I'm sure you know music is a scary idea to people who don't do it regularly but um but yeah i'm sure it's the i'm sure it's the same and you know it's also like 
<laughs> once you're in the room, just keep going. I mean, the worst thing you can do is show up at a party with your guitar and say, and not remember what songs you know. That's terrible. <laughs> right? Oh, it's so understandable, though. I mean, I've, I feel like I've been in that. I'm sure I've been in that position where I've been like, you like oh smashing pumpkins no i mean i know Joni mitchell <laughs> yeah, oh this is that oh this is a different kind of party okay i got it this is the smashing pumpkins party like understood um did you i know i teased you about uh about playing you've got a friend but but did you did it work did you uh did you date girls um based off of your your singing prowess your singing and playing prowess uh <clears throat> i don't know if i ever i don't know if i <laughs> I can't think of a time when. The- I don't know. What am I expecting that the girl leans in for a kiss and goes, "I just want you to know this is only because you can play guitar." Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, that never happened to me. I, I, you know, I had some, I had some girlfriends here and there. I, you know, but it wasn't even. It was more just like I don't know. It was nice to have people looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> right you're seen we want to be seen I, we, yeah we, we want to be seen we want to feel seen and sometimes sometimes we want to feel seen in a in a sort of more literal public facing way and sometimes we just want to feel seen by one other person but i mean that's that's a that's a pretty universal desire are you an only child do you have brothers and sisters i can't remember i am the i'm the oldest i have uh, my parents were divorced and then remarried and had additional kids so i have half siblings on both sides i have two Two half sisters and one half brother, uh, but they're they're all none of them is uh, the oldest is uh, eight years younger than me. So I was an only child oh, okay. for for my you first eight years. For, yeah. yeah, yeah. I that I, that definitely counts. I think as uh, I don't know who's judging this. Me, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, for a second, when you said that your parents divorced and remarried, and then that you only had half siblings, I was imagining that they, they remarried they each, each other. other. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't count. You were like snobby about the qualification of of your siblings being from a second marriage, like the the, the lesser marriage. <laughs> right. You're only my half brother, yeah. dude. From the sequel, you have the same mother and father. <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? Uh, that would be weird. That would be a weird, weird thing for me to do to my siblings. No, they're actual half, half brothers yeah. and sisters. Yeah, yeah. Being eight years older. Yeah. That, well, that's interesting. Did you did you fall into the I'm responsible for them, or was did you have the kind of shuffling back and forth? Like, again, I'm sort of creating this like like children's story version of your life that I have that has no bearing on reality. But, probably pretty but accurate. I, but, well, that's, I mean, I, I imagine like my parents split up when I was really young and, and, and I never, neither of them ever remarried. But when I picture like going from the version of my life, that's me and my parents, or even the version of my life, that's my dad alone and my mom alone. Hmm. And then I try to add in a new step parent and then a new kid, yeah. um, and going back and forth between them, um, what I imagine, again, just based on like none of those experiences, is that there could be a sense of like sort of hovering above both of them in a sense without ever really locking in to these new family units per se. Oh, my old friend, you have <laughs> you have hit upon it exactly. No, yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, you know, I I my parents did not live too far apart. They lived about forty five minutes away from each other. Um, My parents live ten minutes away from each other. Oh boy, that's oh, it's the worst. Wow. So, what did you? Yeah. What was your arrangement? How often did you back and forth? 
my mom had custody of me all for sure on Sundays because she wanted me to go to church with her. Um, and then it would sort of vary. It would you, sometimes be like one other night a week. Sometimes it would be two other nights a week. But my dad had primary custody of me. But they were, yeah, they lived close by to each other and they were, they were real communicative. So um, any attempts to kind of like play one against the other or like tell one I was going to stay at the other's house and then not be at either <laughs> were all spectacular failures. <laughs> Yeah, I had a I had a situation where I was with I was I lived with my mom for during the weeks and on the weekends would visit uh my dad. Um and so that was and that was a pretty steady pattern for most of my uh uh young young life and um it was uh you know, so there was a very specific divide and it was it was always like Saturday morning leave mom's house go to dad's house sunday night come back to mom's house and it was so there was always this it was almost like i never got to unpack a bag sort of i mean not yeah, really absolutely i had toothbrushes in both places but you know yeah. it still was this feeling of moving in and out of these worlds um yeah. um and with very discreet boundaries um and uh, knowing that while I was in this one world, I was missing what was happening in this other world. And, God, absolutely. And my my parents were, <clears throat> um, you know, they got along just fine, and they didn't they didn't uh, use me as a weapon or anything like that. But it was still I was still very conscious of having to take care of both of their feelings and having to make sure that they each got their money's worth <laughs> when I was when I was with them. <laughs> So it was <laughs> it was hard. It was a it was a tricky it was a tricky tricky thing moving back and forth like yeah. that. Is that I mean if if I were you and I again I feel this way many of us do I would never go back to that. Like I would never go back to my high school years. I'm so happy I had them and I I had so many good and bad experiences and and I they've all, you know, they all feel really important and 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 also like small and insignificant in a really relieving way. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's just, the, but, but, but I certainly would not go back to the, whatever was complicated about being a teenager. I would not, I would not revisit. It's such a, it's such a hard time. It doesn't matter what's happening with with your life. Even if everything is great about your life, it's still a very hard time and everybody feels so uncomfortable. And I would never, I would never want to go back to how I felt inside my own head. Well, yeah. when I was in high school. What, what got you through some of that that stuff uh, outside of like friendships and music? Did you have books or um, like TV films, like stuff like that, that, you know, sort of you could disappear into? Um, uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and I at mean, what age did you get hit on the head and, and, <laughs> and then you've had amnesia about your... Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I mean, music was such a huge thing for me in those years. It was such a, because I spent, I spent so much time in my room working on, because I had a little like four track recorder and a bunch of instruments. And I was, I was really focused on that. Um, You meant it. I meant it. I was, I was deep, I was deep in it. And that's, I spent so much time doing that. Um, And, and then like being able to show off what I was doing and learning and you know making cassettes for everybody and stuff like that so um that was that was such a huge part of it and then and then um uh yeah i mean you know i read books i i don't i don't it's hard <laughs> it would be disingenuous to say that i 
took a lot of solace from certain books or something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, music, music was really, was really the thing for me. And then, you know, I think, um, in high school, <clears throat> there was one, one friend in particular that was sort of my best friend in high school who, uh, he and I were really good pals and spent a lot of time together and had a lot of adventures. And he was a very, he was a very popular, um, beloved, uh, party kid, <laughs> <laughs> he was the he was uh he was the middle child of three kids so there was an older brother who could buy us booze and um um so he was he was my he was my entree into into a lot of social scenes that I might not have other otherwise dared uh to enter sure um but yeah i mean for me it was like it was that it was music it was music and sort of social you know, social connections with people, which is weird because I feel like such a, I feel like a very anti-social person now at this age. But then I was really, I really liked, I really liked, uh, uh, you know, m- making, making friends and like, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds so not like me, but I clearly was like driven to go to parties yeah. where I didn't know people and like, and try to impress them by playing the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, everything you're saying still kind of, I mean... That's it, sort of yeah, what I do it, now, it, I guess. It, I was going to say, it still t- <laughs> it ties into your kind of your professional pursuits, which also yeah. happen to be these very creative pursuits. And I think um, I, I identify similarly. I, I think I was far more social um, in terms of just like recreational social behavior uh, when I was younger and or before I was kind of... I, I hate to say it, but like live in the dream, <laughs> um, uh, which, you know, but like the, the truth is that, you know, I think once you are able to blend um, your social environment with your work environment in a way that's actually really satisfying, um, yeah. that, that it, it, it just changes the shape of, of how you think of yourself socially. Because if I go, if I'm working on something or I'm emailing with people for the festival that, you know, I also consider my pals and that's how I'm spending a day. I don't feel necessarily like I need to go to a thing later. Um, yeah. And it, because there, there's not a, there, there doesn't feel a call for it or, or a, 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 you know, some sort of hole that needs to be filled in that way, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's a, so that's a very that's good part that, of it. That's a very good point. And you and I both have that thing. I mean, I feel the same way working on the cruise. I work on the cruise with Paul and Storm and Drew who are, who are good friends and who I've known for years. And, and yeah, all the performers that we invite, uh, you know, I might not know all of them, but a lot of them are are my pals. And um, you know, uh, you know, after you've been out there playing enough times, you have a you have a little scene. You know, you have musicians mm-hmm. that you know and people that you've played with, and um, it really is a uh, it really is a highly social activity. Our our jobs, and and you're right, absolutely it's true. It, it, I think that replaces a lot of uh, social social time that I would otherwise need to seek out. Exactly. I'm so smug again. Yeah, no, I'm see? smug. I really appreciate our transparency. <laughs> what a low point in the podcast. That's that's the name uh, of the pod- that's the name of the podcast, right? Appreciate our transparency. Uh, uh, gross, gross, mm. gross. But yes, maybe I should be transparent and change the name just so that I can look it full in the face with everyone else. Um, okay. 
Colton, I got to get into this mash game. I forgot to tell you I do it, so I have no idea if you know what it is or what to expect. But uh, this is a game that I played a great deal as a child. Mansion, apartment, shack, or house is Mm -hmm. the sort of built-in portion of the mash game. I am about to ask you a series of questions. You will give me three answers for each category that I pose to you. And at the end of this, uh, which will mark essentially the end of the podcast episode, I will review to you what your fictitious 100% guaranteed MASH future will entail. Great. So for the first category, I am going to go with uh, what for me is an obvious uh, category for you, which is three bands, singer-songwriters, composers, three musicians that um, for one reason or another, it's unlikely you will have the opportunity to collaborate with in this universe, but in our alternate universe, you get to uh, work with them on some level. Oh, okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, Paul McCartney. Great. Um. Uh. <laughs> Sean Colvin. Oh, I love Sean Colvin. You know, that just brought up a painful memory, which is that her publicist pitched her to me as a guest, and I like fell over backwards with excitement. I probably played my hand too much because I was like, oh, my God, she'd be a dream. I'd love to have Jean Colvin. And then the publicist <laughs> was like, like, great, let me look at dates. And then I never a weirdo. anything She's again. a weirdo. Don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm coming back at that full steam. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contact that person and say, hey, jerk, you're the one who contacted me. I'm sure that'll go well. Okay, great. Uh, okay. Paul McCartney, Sean Colvin. Love. Uh, uh, John Philip Sousa. Wonderful, wonderful. Just because I'd like to mix it, I'd like to be, I'd like to be able to mix Mix it up up. for him a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, What a gift. Okay, great. Uh, Next category is three, um, three places you would have a vacation home, but uh, I don't want it to be like, like you could be an Earth-based place, but not like. Tokyo. I want it to be, it could be like underwater or Narnia or outer space or uh, Nauvoo or whatever. Okay. So not, not like cities. Yeah. I want to, I want to, this is for, this is for, uh, this is for some of the, the nerds out there like me who are maybe more interested in what fictitious non-existent place you would have a vacation home rather than where in real life you would. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, Do they have to be on earth? No, definitely not. Okay, good. Um, uh, I would say uh, Star Trek Enterprise Holodeck would be a nice place to have a vacation home. Because that's it's kind of like... That's uh, just you wishing for more wishes. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I'm on to you. <laughs> uh, a, uh, you know, some, some kind of fortress at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Okay, great. Would be pretty cool. Um, uh, and what else? Uh, a train that can never stop moving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is real hard not to start thinking about a very specific movie that was very upsetting and disturbing. Oh, no, that's not uh, what I was talking about. Different train. Different okay, train. great. Okay, great. Uh, what train that can never stop moving are you talking about? Uh, just it's one that it's just one that I have in my head. Oh, okay, good. It's good definitely good. different. I really from, was like it doesn't involve Tilda Swinton with like amazing dental work. It does, um, but that's just a coincidence. <laughs> Touche. 
a touche. Okay, uh, next category is uh, three foods that in this reality you're either allergic to or, you know, let's face it, they're too, you know, they're not great for you or they're not great for the environment, anything like that. Or um, it could also be like a food that is, is rare enough that you've only had it once. Like, oh, when I was, you know, or my grandmother used to make this cake that I've never been able to find the equal to. Uh, in this world, in this alternate universe we're creating, those foods uh, are available to you at the snap of a finger with zero ramifications. Three. Oh, boy. <clears throat> okay. And it can be as general as you want categorically, or it can be like very, very specific. This is, this is, oh, boy. Okay. This is, I feel like this is easier than it should be for me. Nacho cheese Doritos. Great. God damn, I love me a nacho cheese Dorito. I've, They're so good. Listen, I've tried all the other flavors, and there's none that holds a candle to nacho cheese. I'm sorry. Cool ranch lovers. I agree. I, I feel you owe no one upon an apology. Um, cool, ranch get, cool ranch is really good for like the first three chips, and then I'm like, hmm, why am I already tired of this flavor? You yeah, you can't live on it. You can't live on it. Um, uh, my... The, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you said you, you mentioned uh, 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 somebody grandmother's recipe or something. My grandmother had a recipe for something amazing, which is called gooey buns. Um, which is um, I actually know the recipe. It is uh, ground up bologna. Uh, you can get deli ends <laughs> to make it cheaper. Ground absolutely up- <laughs> not the first ingredient I would have expected. <laughs> ground up bologna, uh, cheddar cheese, uh, shredded cheddar cheese. Little onion, little mustard, little mayo, little relish, um, and uh, you make a paste. <laughs> you make sort of a gray paste out of it, and you <laughs> you put it in a hot dog bun. You wrap the hot dog bun in foil, and you heat it up in the oven. Boy, that sounds delicious. I, to be honest with you, except for the part where it turns gray. It's it's delicious, but it's pretty gross looking. <laughs> And I, I don't think it's very healthy. Wait a minute. Did you just say you wrap it in foil and then put it in the microwave? I don't think that you can put no, foil no, in a microwave. In a regular oven, a traditional oven. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really thought I found the flaw in your your, your plan. Uh, uh, and then finally... Please uh, do not put... Yeah, yes. I would say a hot fudge sundae. Great. Great. Okay, perfect. I don't... I just realized I don't know why it's A-E instead of A-Y, but... Um, I don't know why I, either. Do know that it is. Uh, next category, uh, all due respect to the lady in your life in this universe. This is a mash game. So I will ask for three ladies from any place and time. It could be a cartoon. No judgment on my part. Uh, that that you would want to have this sort of romantic uh, adventure with. Um, so yeah, so it could be like Jacqueline Bissett circa 1970, or it could be, you know, the character that so-and-so plays in such and such movie, but. Uh, <clears throat> boy, okay. Um, I have to tell you, I, I have a lot of anxiety when people ask me to come up with lists of things. <laughs> Yeah, that's. It turns out that's true for most people, Is that myself true for most included. People? Yeah, it's it's a hideous, hideous game. Uh, like it's I, really a shitty thing to put someone through. I really can't cannot think of any ladies right now because you asked me to think of ladies. This is just like being at the party with my guitar. This is terrible. That's right. That's absolutely um, right. Listen, I, Princess Leia. I mean, obviously, great. Princess Leia. Great. Um, Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> listen, listen. I fall back on the people that I was obsessed with as a as a, a younger person. I'm not saying you're not so obsessed with these women, but I'm saying if this follows a trend, uh, these are these are 
people that I have like the counterpart to in my world too. So I totally get it. Uh, um, uh, Linda Carter. Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Great. Great. Uh, well, speaking of uh, superpowers, let's do three superpowers uh, that you would want. Oh, three superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, uh, flight. Great. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> superpowers. <laughs> oh, st- uh, stopping, stopping time. Yeah, great. Um, can you make it stopping time slash time travel? No, the, maybe those are two different. Is time travel is not really. A yeah, superpower. they're two different. All right, so let's just say stopping. But it can time. be. No, it can't be. It can be time travel. Can be a superpower for <clears throat> our purposes. No, let's make let's make it stopping time. I don't want to. It feels like cheating right. to say time travel. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then finally, uh, I'll go with um, I'll go with invisibility. I'm intrigued. Uh, this American Life just re- uh, replayed Hodgman's, um, the piece that he did for oh, them. Oh, Flight versus Invisibility. You ch- yeah, it's such a great, it's, it a, a, it's a great story. Classic party question. Uh, it really is. Uh, okay, next category is, uh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, classic party question. Three parties that you would want to go to and sort of like immediately come in and sort of impress everyone. And I know that that's like a weird question. I've never asked it before. I'm really bouncing right off of the last thing you said, but um it, so that it could be like, you know, I walk into, you know, a, a, a bar in uh, Bruges, you know, and, and, <laughs> and everybody, everybody's just like, who's this guy? He's wonderful. We'll sort, uh, of, we'll sort of shoot shoot you somewhere around the world, three different places or three different settings that it would be great to be okay. at a party. Okay. Um, uh, at a party. <clears throat> the, the, Met, the Met Gala. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to imagine how, how far away it is that I would walk into the Met Gala, <laughs> and everybody be like, "Wow, that's a great choice. It's a great choice. That's how the game is played." Um, I would say uh, that party, that party back in time when I brought the guitar and couldn't think of any songs. I would like to be able to replay yep. that party. We're gonna call that the Zeppelin party. The Zeppelin party. Uh, and then finally, the Creative Arts Emmys Governor's Ball. <laughs> perfect 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 and perfect specifically on uh on september uh 9th, <laughs> 2018 it's coming up it's, it's coming, coming up. up i'm very excited uh okay next category is uh three um uh oh god i just had it oh yeah three fictitious um buddies so somebody from comic books somebody from film literature uh, three characters from fiction uh, that it would be fun to have as like your your pal that you could call anytime and they'd be like, ah, I'm so glad to hear from you. Let's hang. Uh, Magnum P.I. Great. Um, <clears throat> uh, the Lee Majors, The Fall Guy. Great. Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> Rock Rockford. <laughs> what was his first name? <laughs> what was his first name? His first name is Rockford. His last name is Files. Rock, uh, Rockford Files. Mr. Files. <laughs> Giles Rockford. and this is, These are my files. 
can I be honest? I always just assume that if it's a James Garner role, his first name is James for some reason, because I do feel like on more than one occasion, he has played a character who also is named James or Jim. It is. And so it's I like to Jim, think that he, Jim Rockford. Is, is it really? Name? Yeah. I, I feel like he qualifies. I feel like he's like, I'm fine to do it. Listen, I can act in every other way, but if you call me by a name that's not mine, I ain't going to answer. It's just people call me and I'm, I forget. I forget that it's me and then it ruins the take. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All I ask, please name him Jim. Uh, that's, the, that's the name of his uh, autobiography. Um, okay. And then final question is three, let's do three real life skills that um, would take a tremendous amount of practice in, in this reality. But in, in our alternate mash reality, you can wake up tomorrow uh, being an expert. Oh, boy. Okay. <clears throat> uh, uh, bu- building robots. Great. Um, uh, cooking. And uh, what's the one? I, there's one. There's one that I always covet, and I can't think of it right now. I'm blowing my chance. That's because I'm asking you. I know. This is going to come true, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Trapeze. It's not it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Put it in there. Put it oh, in there. Oh, what is sad. <laughs> What a sad, like you're punishing yourself. Just put it in Just there. put it in. I deserve no better. Great. Now, I'm, not a, being able to now I'm an expert trapeze things. artist. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to give you the chance. I've never done this before. I'm going to give you the chance to swap out if you can remember what it is while I am doing the rest of these, and okay. I use this term very lightly, calculations. Uh, very fair. quickly, I just need uh, I just need you to uh, pick a number between, uh, let's say, one and six. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to go with four. Okay, great. And then while I do this, and while some part of your brain is trying to replace trapezist, I'm also going to ask you to tell people uh, where they can find things that they should know about that they should check out that are of you. Yes. Um, <clears throat> let's see. What can they? What can they do? Okay. So I am. I am Jonathan Colton on Twitter. I am real Jonathan Colton on Instagram. My website is jonathancolton.com. Nothing happens there anymore because blogging is dead. Uh, <laughs> my latest album is called Solid State. It is still available for purchase. I have a lot of copies left over. It also has a companion graphic novel written by Matt oh. Fraction. Um, That's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a really good graphic novel. It makes me cry. I have a lot of those. They're hardcover. They're very heavy. Um, and uh, I guess also the, the Joko Cruise is the other thing, which I can't remember right now exactly when it's sailing in 2018. It doesn't even matter because it is sold out. Um, but um, Oh, wow. Already. People can, That's fantastic. I know. It's very exciting. But people can get on the waiting list for, uh, for there will be some, uh, some cabins that become available. Um, and then, of or, course, we do that every year. I will also say the other option would be to find someone who's going to kill them and steal their identity. I, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna encourage anybody to kill. Not anybody. recommend. Listen, I'm not recommending. It. No, I'm no, that could happen. I'm just saying it could. It, it probably will happen be. with at least one or two people. Okay. Um. Uh. So then your job will be to find out who are the the imposters on the ship. Right. Just well, like I'll the have, movie, the the imposters. I'll have one of my one of my buddies with me by then. I hope it's. I hope it's well, Magnum Pi. That's true. Well, let me tell you something, Jonathan Colton. It is Magnum P.I. What? Oh, boy. You got Magnum P.I. That's the best possible result. 
I don't you even got care. Magnum PI. I don't even care whatever, whatever what happens in the other categories. Well, I will say you also did not end up. You, I want you to reassure you, you are not a trapezist. In fact, you are okay. a master at robotics. Oh, good, good. So you and Magnum can tinker around and create some uh, badass robots. Uh, when you're not flying around through the sky with your superpower of flight, this is really turning out great. Uh, I'm assuming you fly yourself to your fortress, uh, at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Mm. <laughs> That's actually going to be hard for me because I can't breathe underwater. Why didn't I pick breathe underwater? Stupid. Yeah, this is, this is, this is broken bad. It's official. <laughs> uh, you have the, uh, ability to, uh, Feel sorry for yourself about not being able to breathe underwater by having unlimited and copious amounts of nacho uh, Doritos. Oh, man. Nacho cheese Doritos. Um, you, there will be zero health ramifications or physical ramifications, so you'll still be looking your best when you charm the pants off everyone at the Creative Arts Semis Governor's Ball <laughs> in just a handful of weeks. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be debuting some of the music you composed with John Philip Sousa. <laughs> probably not. It's probably too soon. Probably too soon for us to release that. Uh, but you certainly will be impressive when on your arm appears none other than Princess Leia. Oh, man. Which a lot of people will be happy about because they miss Carrie Fisher. So yeah. you've made a lot of other people's dreams come true That's by, all I by do. picking her. That's all I yeah. want to do is make people's dreams That's all you want to do is realize other people's dreams. Yeah. Uh, you have reached almost the end of the podcast episode, my friend. The final thing that I am springing on you that I did not warn you about at all is for you to, if you can, sing a tiny snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I did not tell you that was going to happen. No, you didn't. Uh, sure, I can. I can sing. Uh, mm, mm. I'll do. I'll do a. Uh, <clears throat> I'll do a sort of a this little down tempo version. Ready? This is yeah, a, great. This is a little AM radio. I can see you, your brown skin shining in the sun. You got your hair combed back and your sunglasses on, baby. I can tell you my love for you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone. Oh, yeah. Jonathan, that was wonderful. Oh, oh, listen, I, I may have spoken too soon. It was wonderful until you did a creepy, a creepy whisper oh, yeah. at the end. <laughs> That's how I end all my songs. <laughs> I can't believe I've never noticed. I need to start listening more carefully. It's usually they cut it off when they make the albums, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of a reflex. This, uh, I'm so glad that uh, we made this work. I, I am so, so happy that I was able to to make it happen this summer because, as you know, I've been trying to to get you on the podcast well, for the too. last like, three summers. Thank so. you thank you so Yay. much for inviting me, Janet. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all that you do as well, so I, I uh, oh, boy. always invite me to anything that you think I should do. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me try this out on you. Oh, You'll be invited, old friend. <laughs> old you friend. can bet on that. Rest assured, you will receive Rest an invitation. Rest assured. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, thank you so much, guys. I will talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi.
Now leaving Nerdist.com.